We are now 10 days away from Syracuse football. 10 days from Syracuse football making its return, packing the dome, getting the energy, having that fun fall atmosphere that we have so long waited for. I know what I can do. And what I can do a lot of the time in my capacity with Locked On Syracuse is crowdsource info from many, many Syracuse beat reporters. And there is one specifically that I keep defaulting to, and she is my eyes oftentimes in Syracuse preseason camp. So instead of me summarizing what I see on her Twitter for a change, we're going to bring her on. We've got Emily Liker joining the podcast on your Locked On Syracuse Wednesday. Let's get right after it. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into your Locked On Syracuse Wednesday episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter, enter promo code LockdownCollege for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise. We have a special guest today. I'm Owen Valentine. I am joined by Syracuse.com's Syracuse football beat writer and also as of today, uh, noted best shoes in Syracuse media. So Emily Liker joins us. Emily, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Owen. The uh, the low blazers are, are Dino's favorite, apparently. So I got to keep that in the back pocket uh, and make sure he knows uh, that we're paying attention. Uh, I wanted to start. I mean, there are so many conversations with the Syracuse football team this year. Uh, obviously, a lot of turnover, coaching-wise, player-wise, new faces, things like that. But it's not all too often you get a three-year starting quarterback, and he's coming off of injury, and that's sort of been a lot of the focus of my my conversations here. What is the latest on Garrett Schrader? I know you just said he did the 100-play scrimmage and was playing the entire time. What have you seen from him? How does the arm look, and how does he seem uh, under center so far in the preseason? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because kind of coming into fall, the the limited things we had heard was that Garrett would be like 100% by the time fall came. Um, There wasn't really a delineation of whether that was week one of fall camp or like week one of the season, but he would be 100%. He's ready to go. Um, He told me he was feeling really good at ACC kickoff. We knew he had just started throwing again around that time, I believe. Um, And now in like the past week, that narrative feels like it's like faltered just a little bit with um, kind of Dino Baber saying last week, like, oh, we need to really tire out Garrett's arm and, and make sure he's getting strong enough. And then Garrett saying he actually feels like his arm is weaker from a stamina standpoint. And uh, that certainly was a little alarming to hear. I don't yeah. think it's like the end of the world, the sky is falling, but it still is just a little different than what we had been hearing previously. Um, I think, the fact that he went through the whole scrimmage from what we were told, again, we don't get to watch the scrimmages. So like, I can't vouch for that yeah. with my own eyes, but what Dino said, said today was that Garrett went through the whole scrimmage. He played the whole time on Saturday and that was a 100 play 90 minute scrimmage we know. So that like certainly bodes well stamina wise, but like, we don't know how many deep shots he was taken. We don't know how often he was just handing the ball off to LaQuint. So I think it will certainly be interesting. The fact that they 
start with a team like Colgate, you know, Garrett probably won't have to play the whole game yeah. anyway. You kind of expect that by halftime they should be up enough that Carlos can come in, maybe even Braden Davis in the fourth quarter. Um, so that helps. But I think it, we're in an interesting place with Garrett right now. Yeah, I've been trying to piece it all together. I mean, you, you hear the the pre-preseason conversations that he's as strong as it's ever been and the arm is perfect. And then the more we see, we, we see a slow progression, which is what you normally would have expected. But it's sort of an advertise that everything was amazing and the arm is perfect. And so it's not weird by any means, at least in my mind, to see that, hey, it's a slow return. We're going to ease our way back into it. But just everything we've heard, it's sort of everyone's taking a step back and trying to figure out like, all right, we're less than two weeks away. How's that arm going to be? So I think you bring up a great point. Uh, the schedule bodes very nicely for him to be able to naturally ease his way back in as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, right in front of him. And, and this is a spot and a position group that, you know, both brings in some nice experience, but also has some question marks and some new faces that are going to have to slot in. And we've seen in the past, you know, the O-line has, has made and broken quarterbacks. Uh, I remember there were many conversations when I was at Syracuse in school on, you know, is Tommy DeVito a good quarterback with a good O-line or is he just a bad quarterback? The O-line this season seems like, it's been making headlines for the right reasons. What have you been seeing uh, and, and what are some things that we should be looking out for, at least uh, in the trenches on the offensive side? Yeah. You know, I think one of the most promising things is the addition of Gianre big general uh, Reed there at the center position. I mean, he certainly hasn't looked perfect in the goal line period today. We saw one of his snaps go super high. So like it hasn't been all smooth sailing with him, but I think, adding him at that position where you have Josh Aloa, but he hasn't really played a ton at that position previously. I think I was looking at his stat line today and he has like 33 appearances, but only two starts. Um, and so just adding like another person in that room, I think one adds competition, which is always good when you're trying to create a depth chart, but also just gives them options. And at center, I think that's kind of like one of the most important positions to have options at, because if you're having a bad day at center, like, that's kind of hard to snap out of. So having someone else in there and able to to get through and, and maybe switch out every once in a while, I think will be good. And and Reed certainly has looked promising. Um, the O-line overall, you know, it's interesting. It, it feels like one of those positions that for Syracuse, there's like always perpetually low optimism in just because of how they approach it and the injuries that they've had and, and just kind of some of that stuff. I mean, even today, like Dina was still saying that they don't have their top five to seven guys fully solidified yet, which is like not something you want to hear a week and a half before the first game of the season. I think he's maybe being a little um, hesitant there. Like it does feel like we have seen the same five to seven guys in there. I mean, you got Chris Bleich, you've got Reed and Aloha, you've got, Joe Moore, the transfer, you got Kalen Ellis. Like there are names that are consistently in there. So it's interesting that he says that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. Like the offensive line kind of makes or breaks a lot of the rest of the offense. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just tough. Yeah. And I think we're going to see very early on whether this O-line holds up or not. I think you, uh, we, we might have gotten a little taste of some, some Dino, let's avoid a question for now and, and address that. I think it was, 
maybe two years ago, I forget who asked it. Someone asked a depth chart ish question and he said, Oh, we don't know that yet. And then an hour and a half later, the two deep came out and the answer was right there. So sometimes it's just him buying a little bit of time, but who knows? Uh, I, I think I, I like what I've seen. There's obviously, as you said, right. So some, some things that are still up in the air and some consistency things, and that's just going to, you know, hopefully for Syracuse's sake, improve with more time spent together, more experience as a group. Uh, but we'll see where things go from there. I got a lot to talk about on the defensive side, but I'm going to throw you in the back for a second. We're going to talk about our friends at Bird Dogs, and then we'll bring her right back out. Uh, some really fun stuff so far. I'm having a good time, at least. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Bird Dogs. They are, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. They're my favorite sponsor of the show. I wear them all the time. I am not lying to you. They're the most comfortable shorts I own. Uh, and I have a great time in them. I, I think their versatility is what brings them to the top. They fit better than regular shorts, but they're also like they're flexible and they're they're dual fitting. I said I wore these to a kickball game and then I wore them straight to the bar after. And you can judge me for my you know cleanliness after that. But I think that's the nod to Bird Dogs and what they can do. And you can look good, feel good and feel confident and go to birddogs.com slash lockdown college or enter promo code lockdown college for a free white tech hat. With any order right now, that's birddogs.com slash college or promo code LockdownCollege for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Owen Valentine, joined by Emily Liker here on your Lockdown Syracuse Wednesday episode. We're inside two weeks. We got 10 days until Syracuse football makes its return. We talked a little bit about the offense. Let's switch things to the defensive side of the ball for a little bit. And the position group that I, I have found the most interesting preseason wise on the defensive side has been Syracuse's secondary. And it's because in my eyes, I, I had this, I guess, I don't know if you followed along very closely, but I had uh, three months ago, just a breakdown with Syracuse football where I was so fed up and I, I just got all angry and whatever. And then I, I've started to take things back. And I was like, we've lost so much in the secondary and Syracuse has lost so much with Garrett going to the NFL and Jihad and Deuce in the portal. And I was so terrified and then I finally let myself calm down and I looked at things and I look at the secondary and they're a lot more experienced and it seems like a far more familiar group than I expected to see and now I'm excited and confident in the secondary for a lot of this point as well there are some new faces in there uh, and, and that's been my my focus with you here there are a lot of new faces in the quarterbacks in the safeties who has been sort of the biggest jump off the page or is it just sort of people coming in and doing the thing as a group that that's been what's standing out so far yeah you know honestly I don't know if there's like anyone in in the secondary that has like super stood out just from like a performance nature I mean like I've kept an eye on Jaden Bellamy and, and yeah. Jaden Gould just because those are two of the guys that were bigger pickups in this transfer class um He's not a new guy, but someone like I've been impressed with is Isaiah Johnson at cornerback. Like we've just seen a lot out of him that I, I wasn't expecting this fall. I mean, obviously he played a little bit in and out last season, especially after Garrett Williams was injured. But like there still wasn't, I think, a confidence there that he would be able to really step into this this starting cornerback role and, and really command things. I do think the secondary remains the biggest question mark maybe tied with the offensive line 
I would say I feel more confident in them being a solid group now that I've seen three weeks of practice. I mean, Justin Barron, Elijah Clark, and, and Jason Simmons, like that's a solid starting safety group. And all three of yeah. those guys were here last year and played together and at least have some of that um, connective tissue that they'll be able to adjust really quickly. And I think help lead some of the other guys that pop in and out in the linebacker room. But um, across from Johnson at, at cornerback, it, it seems like it's going to be Jeremiah Wilson, but I also wouldn't be surprised if that rotates a little bit and we see some other faces. I've noticed uh, Greg Delane specifically has been in there. Um, but yeah, I, the secondary group is one I'm very curious to see in game action too, just because it's one of those groups that like, sure, in, in one-on-ones it can look like one thing, but when you get them against other teams and other receivers and offenses, they aren't accustomed to it might look a little bit different yes uh 1000 i mean we're as confident as ever in garrett williams and you know sometimes they're still going up against teams in you know a high level college football conference dino was hype on the acc today uh that you could still get burnt even with the best of the best so there's a lot that i think and you're, you're spot on will remain up in the air there uh in terms of what this team will do and especially that secondary group uh, there's three captains right now. It said, uh, you know, there's going to be three more when all is said and done. Who do you see stepping up as, as a leader right now? Is there someone who just seems like that, that vocal leader that maybe isn't part of your, your Garrett Trader, Marlo Wax, Justin Barron captainship at this point? Like who, who seems like those guys that, that are stepping up and people seem to rally by? I mean, I would be very, very surprised if Caleb Okachukwu doesn't get a captain spot. Like, I was honestly surprised he wasn't in the first go around, though. But the way they did it, there was like one for each kind of side of the ball. So Garrett's the offensive captain, obviously. Marlowe's the defensive. And then Justin is special teams because he holds the ball now. Um, so Caleb is certainly one. I think maybe like a little bit of a sleeper pick. I don't know. It's not fully a sleeper pick, but I think LaQuint like has a shot, especially just like everything we've heard talking just with players about his return is that he is one of the most high energy guys on the team, like always comes in practice, ready to go and, and giving his best and stuff like that. And we know today he just got elevated to a single digit as a true sophomore, which is a big deal. And, and yeah. like, Dino said it was about how unselfish he was with the special teams last year. I'm sure there's other stuff that went into that decision that Dino didn't share. Um, but I, I could see him potentially getting a spot. And then I think the other one, just from, from on-field talent and knowing that he's maybe not quite the vocal leader that Syracuse would like yet, but he, he's working towards that, is Aronde Gadsden. I mean, he's going to be the best player on your team this year. It feels like that is someone who's definitely in the conversation. But if if I had to pick one surefire lock, I would put it on Okachukwu. I like that. I think you're – the LaQuint stuff too, I, everything I've seen, it just seems like his energy since the return has been outstanding. And it seems like, you know, the team is excited to have him and it's bringing out the best in a lot of people. So I, I like that as your, your sleeper pick a little bit. I, I think that'll be a fun one to keep an eye on. Um, this is a big year for Dino Babers and, you know, it's, I, I see a report yesterday and people are very adamant that they're dead wrong or spot on that he's on the hot seat or not. I'm not here for that convo. I, I'm here for, you know, this is a big year for Dino contract wise, whether it's 
you know, people want him out. People want him extended. This is a crucial season for that. What do you see as a successful season? Is it a bowl game or bust? Is it a little bit better than that? Where's your sort of success metric? Seeing this team having a little bit of an idea of maybe what their capabilities are. Yeah, so I talked about this pretty in depth on our new Syracuse.com podcast with Brent Axe, uh, Syracuse Sports, which you can find on on Spotify and Apple Music and all those places. But I, I, I think the big key here for people to remember is that there, or remember or consider is that there are nine winnable games on this schedule. And that's not me saying, I said this on Twitter, that's not me saying that they're going to win nine games. Like, I don't hold me to that. I'm not saying that. But there are nine games they could win. And so for me, I don't think just making it to six and six can be an acceptable standard. Like, bowl game, yes, of course you want that. But, like, there has to, it has to be like a seven and five or an eight and four type season when you have this many winnable games on the schedule. And that doesn't even include the fact that I think they could possibly upset UNC. Like, if they're going to upset someone, it's going to be UNC. And like, that's a possibility. Yep. So that's potentially 10 winnable games. Like who, who knows, but I just don't think with that type of schedule and in, in this day and age where we're about to see the transition in the college football playoff format and everything going on with realignment that you can just settle for a bowl game. Like most teams make bowl games. You want to be a team that blows past blows past a bowl game and gets to seven or eight or nine wins. Yeah. And you mentioned the UNC game with the, with the Tez Walker news as well. Uh, that's, that's some interesting stuff, some big stuff uh, as well to, to add into the mix of winnability. Uh, I, I think a lot of my thoughts on that and where I get into this is, you know, this is Syracuse football and we are very aware sometimes of what we should do and we want a little bit more than that and so that's where my my success metrics falls as well so the the what you want is a bowl game and you nailed a little bit more than that I feel like makes this a successful season seven and five eight and four maybe seven wins with a bowl win would work eight wins you can win or lose the bowl game people will be fine with that Uh, I, I like where where that falls and I think it's very feasible and the feasibility that you were just talking about is is where we sort of look at it here Um, I wanted to talk before we wrap things up, you've spent a year plus now in central New York. I was curious of a few things and I love food and I like talking about food. So I want to know, you know, maybe a couple of your, your standout food spots, maybe before I let you out of here today, is there anything that, uh, that you have loved since your arrival here a year and change ago? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I am very much like a creature of habit. So like, <laughs> I have kind of like found like four places and then just like repeatedly go there. Um, and I don't eat out a lot because I love to cook. The one place okay. I am pretty much every week is Myers Creek because I do trivia, which I tweet about a lot. Um, and I will say I am obsessed with their pizza called the Quentin Parentino, which I'm not a Quentin Tarantino stan, um, despite being a movie lover, but the pizza is phenomenal. It's like prosciutto, arugula, blue cheese, hot honey. It's so good. Um, I'm a sucker for hot honey. So that's perfect. Exactly. It goes, it's good on everything. Um, besides that, you know, like, I think my biggest hot take is that I, 
am underwhelmed by dinosaur barbecue. Like, and I mean, you got to understand, I just came from college in Missouri. Like I've had good barbecue. (laughs) So I I, I can't get behind it the way some people here do. I know not everyone loves it, but. Yeah, it's, it definitely gets its criticism and I, it's, I, it's good central New York barbecue and it's history. So that's where I fall on that. I can, if you're from the South and you've spent some time down South and had some good barbecue and you come up and you tell me it's underwhelming, I get it. It makes sense. I got no issues with you there. Um, any places, things that you've, you found that you really like? you just shouted out your trivia stuff. I'm mm-hmm. on a trivia team occasionally. Uh, they're not as committed as I am, which frustrates me sometimes, but uh what else have you been uh been finding have you liked it so far i guess is uh gonna be the the all-around important question here how do you like central new york yeah you know i i like it there's definitely lots of do lots to do i stay very busy during the off season trying to explore both syracuse and central new york but then also like a lot of the east coast because i haven't spent a lot of time out here um I love a lot of the the parks and stuff that are out here and and just like the ability to get outdoors and do things that that reminds me of home a lot. I'm originally from Washington state. So we did a lot of that growing up. Um, I think one thing I can pointedly say I'm very excited for, I think this is dropping tomorrow. So while you're listening to this, I will be at the the New York state fair for the second year, trying a bunch of different stuff and helping out with fair coverage I am That's on, awesome. I'm on frozen treats duty, though not alcoholic like I was last year. So keep oh. an eye out for that. I will have some frozen treat reviews from the New York State Fair. But yeah, overall, I, I'm enjoying Central New York. That's great. They give you the best gig in year one, and it's always <laughs> going to be downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, I think I, uh, you know, when this is releasing, I'll be there tomorrow as well. A little country music action. I can't get away from that. So see a little Laney Wilson and have some fun tomorrow. But uh, I guess one last thing, and this is going to be, I don't know. Sometimes I love asking this question. Sometimes I hate it, but we'll see where we go. Is there one player, and Dino will never answer this question. He'll give you his special teams answer. Uh, Is there one player that you think doesn't get enough credit on the Syracuse football team? Oh, that's hard to pick preseason. I know. Because, like, you have to go off last season, but you have a whole different cast of characters. Mm. I could also back pocket this and then guarantee you come back on so I can re-ask it <laughs> midway through the season. We could let's, do that. Let's do that. I don't think I have an answer right now. All I right. would also pull a Dino and be like special teams because we never yeah. see them. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time with you. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed as well. Um, we've now got you to return some way throughout the season. Loophole. How about that a little inside baseball there? We'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. Have a great day, everyone. I'll be back Thursday talking a little more Syracuse football, but until then, Be kind. Make somebody smile today. Have a good one. Maybe go to the fair. Enjoy some music. Enjoy some frozen treats. And I will see you tomorrow. Peace.